0: Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, We learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get your free audiobook and a free 30 day trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash James Miller Lifeology. I have a great show for you today. I'll be helping you realize that being normal is overrated. I'll also be interviewing Joel Boggess, who shares his own story of how he became a number one podcaster, an acclaimed author, and a consultant after being told he would never be a normal child. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each composition is composed like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores heartache and pain as a character moves to finding healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's awakening and being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase these albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you are currently hearing is from the second album, Restoration, entitled Farewell. A water bear in India had two large pots, each hung on each end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, and while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk to the master's house, the cracked pot always arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on, with the bear delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, but the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bear one day by the stream. "'I'm ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you.' "'Why?' asked the bear. "'What are you ashamed of?' "'I've only been able to deliver half my load because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to the master's house. "'Because of my flaws, you have to do all of this work, and you don't get full value for your efforts.' The water bear felt sorry for the old cracked pot, and in his compassion he said, As we return to the master's home, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. As they went up the hill, the old cracked pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path, and was cheered up somewhat. But at the end of the trail, it still felt badly because it had leaked out half its load, and so again it apologized to the bear for its failure. The bear said to the pot, Did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the perfect pot's side? That's because I've always known about your flaw, and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walked back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would not have this beauty to grace his home. Being normal is overrated. We all have our individual fingerprints. We have our own personality, we have our own background, and also our own experiences. When we're little kids and we're in school, we learn how social interactions work. We learn how groups work together. It's essentially like a small little world that we're placed in, and sometimes we just have to figure it out. For some people, they do really well with that. They really thrive. While other people, not so much. When I was in school, we had many different types of groups. Of course, there were the athletic kids. There were the cheerleaders. There were the really smart kids. There were the rockers. There were the band kids. There were so many different types of groups. And based off of our own interests and athleticism and many other attributes, determine which group you're in. But what about those people who never really fit in? I know on a personal note, I never really fit in. I mean, frankly, I was probably weird, (laughs) but just for myself, I just never really fit in. And it was harder for me to kind of find my own way. But as I got older, I was able to do that. One of the main reasons for this lesson is I want us to really understand our own individualization. I want us to understand our own gifts, our own talents, our own attributes that nobody else has. When we grow up and being in these different types of groups, we're taught to kind of conform to what the norm is. And social psychology is kind of like the law of the group. The people around you, you become like them. And it's the same type of thing when it comes to our own gifts that we have. If we surround ourselves with people who don't have the same like-minded thoughts that we do, or perhaps even the goals that we have, we're going to settle for something different and we will be considered what society calls normal. Nothing wrong with being normal, but it's very much overrated. We will never be able to reach our highest potential following what the rules are of the people around us. So going back to school, when you were around those certain people, you probably had a wonderful time, but as you got older and graduated from school, you probably changed. You probably had a different type of friends. You probably had a different desires and goals and hobbies that were part of your life. But it's really important for us to kind of look at the common theme that was throughout our life. For me, it was music. And I always found that people I didn't even know would come up and talk to me and tell me about their problems. So it was kind of a natural progression for me to be in the field that I'm in today. Some of us have really obvious talents. Perhaps it's with music. Perhaps it's with sports. Perhaps it's with computers or science. There are many different obvious ways in which people have a talent. But many of us don't realize that we all have something that's uniquely designed for us. When we compare ourselves to the people around us who may have these obvious talents, sometimes we feel less than or we feel inferior, and don't realize that our talents are just as wonderful, just as unique, and just as different than the norm. I'd have some clients talk to me and say, I don't have anything that's obvious in my life. What I like to do is kind of take a step back and look at their life. For example, if you're a parent, you were specifically given that amazing child Because you have exactly what you need that's different from anybody else to raise that child in a beautiful, loving, supportive home. And that may be the gift right there. That may be the talent that is so different than the norm from every other parent because you are specifically designed for that child. Some people have a gift of compassion. Anybody that they're around, they're so compassionate, they're so loving, they're so caring. While other people may be encouragers, they may have the exact word that someone needs to hear at the exact time. And many other people don't have that attribute. And I really want us to look at there's a difference between external talents that one has and then also personality attributes that other people have. But remember, no one else can be a better you. The gifts, attributes, talents that you have are kind of all formulated to be you. Sometimes we look at other people and think, I wish I had their life or I wish I was like them. But once again, your personality traits, your background, the way you look at the world is going to be totally different than that person. And if you had that person's life, you'd never be happy. You wouldn't be fulfilled and vice versa. Someone can look at your life and say the same thing. They would like to have your life. They want to emulate you. But once again, they would not be happy because they're a completely different person. When it comes to personal development, we'll only grow as big as our friend group. Think of a goldfish. You put it in a bowl and it will only grow to the size of that bowl or even a plant. You put a plant in a small planter and it will conform to that bowl size because it can't grow any bigger because it can't sustain it. That's the same type of thing. When we look at the norm around us, that is that bowl, like that fishbowl or that planter that will cause us not to be able to grow and develop into the amazing person that we are, into developing the goals and gifts that we have. So I really challenge you today, look around your peers, absolutely wonderful people, of course, but are they the ones that are moving you to the direction you're supposed to go? Are they the ones who are challenging the norm around them? Are they the ones who are helping you develop your goals and your skill set? Or is that friend group the same as they were a year ago? And if they are, remember, just like in sports, you always want to play up. You always want to play up to the next skill set. Surround yourself with those people who will support you, who will love you, who will nurture you, who will love the fact that you're different. Remember, they don't talk about the people who are always the same. They only talk about the people who are outliers. They only talk about the people that are doing something different. Let that be you. Revel in the fact that you get to be the most amazing person that you can be. But when you compare yourself to the norm or what society says is normal, you will never be able to reach your highest potential. And now a quick word from my sponsor. Audible.com is offering you, my listener, a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash James Miller Lifeology. Many of you don't know this about me, but I'm an avid reader, so this is a no-brainer for me to go ahead and download any audiobook I'd like to read, specifically if I'm walking my dog at the gym or just even driving. In fact, my guest today, Joel Boggus, has his number one best-selling book, Finding Your Voice, which is also available on Audible. Take advantage of this free 30-day trial with Audible and download his book as well today. So for you to get your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash James Miller Lifeology. They have over 180,000 books for you to choose from, so I'm pretty confident you'll find the one you're looking for. So check it out today. I have the pleasure of introducing Joel Boggus, who is the host of the very popular podcast, Relaunch, as well as the author of the acclaimed book, Finding Your Voice. He is a podcast and book launch expert who one should call when they are ready to launch a number one bestseller. He will be sharing his own incredible story with us today. Thank you so much for being a part of my show, Joel.
1: James, this is going to be so much fun You did a fantastic job When I interviewed you On the relaunch show And gosh, I am uh, honored to have been invited on yours. You know, I've, I've been in the radio business, gosh, it's been 25 years. Some and long time. And still today, I do not take these invitations uh, for granted. It means a lot to me that you would uh, spend your time with me, but also you would uh, spend your listeners' time with me as well. So I take that seriously.
0: Well, thank you so much. In fact, I was going to tell my listeners who hadn't yet had a chance to hear my interview on your show that I was a guest on your show. <laughs> thank you for beating me to the punch on that one. <laughs> one of the many things I really like about your podcast is just the whole way of of kind of focusing on those areas in people's life and how they reframed a situation, how they found their purpose and how they were able to overcome adversity and find their passion. And so I can't wait for you to tell your own story of how that came about, how you became an in-demand coach, how you are an expert in these fields. So would you be willing to share your story with my listeners today?
1: You bet. I'd be delighted to do it. And congratulations on the success of your show.
0: Thank you so much. How did it start for you? Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Is this just part of your background?
1: You know what? It, it really is, uh, James. And I've, I've kind of mentioned it a little bit a few minutes or a few seconds ago, but gosh, when I was in my early 20s, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was probably, you know, 23, 24. I knew everything at that point, right?
0: <laughs> I think we all do.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I, I had this burning desire in me to to get into to broadcast and to get on radio. And then later I was in front of the camera on, on television and gosh, I got my first job in in part time radio, I think it was 93, 94, and was able to do that for the first half of my adult life. Then I kind of walked away from the broadcasting industry in 97. And then when podcasting began to just kind of peek its head over the horizon, Uh I I knew that I had to be in that industry. And you know what? I needed to be a leader in that industry because by that time, the the media bug had had burrowed deeply Mm -hmm. in in my skin. And it was just something that was forever in in my blood. And kind of fast forwarding to today, we have been incredibly blessed to work with, gosh, some of the, the top speakers. Uh, that are out there uh, today, Mm -hmm. helping them to launch their podcast and to get it to the top spots in the the iTunes category so that they can share their voice, sell their book, get people interested in what they have to offer and Mm -hmm. to take their career to a higher level.
0: That's absolutely wonderful. And I think that's so great that you're able to give back like that. When it comes to your own vision of how this came about, when you were a child, did you know that this was kind of the industry or the things that really motivated you to help people? Were you aware of that?
1: Yeah. And a matter of fact, I, I was. And I talk about this. And uh, gosh, I gave a presentation in Austin, and uh, I, I talked about this very same thing. And, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was Christmas Day, and I was 10 years old. And I was at my grandma and grandpa's house. I was at Mimi and Papa's house. Uh-huh. And it was the best time of the day, at least for me. You know what time it was. It was time to open presents. (laughs) And as soon as they announced that, I bolted down the hall, sat down right under the tree, grabbed the biggest box that I could find. And luckily for me, it had my name on it. (laughs) Yeah, that's lucky. And I ripped open that box and I pulled out by the handle this rectangular, magical-looking metallic box and you know what james it was my very first boombox. really yeah and from the time i turned that little power switch to on and i heard that voice coming from the speakers you know a voice that i would get to know really really well that turned on something in me and, wow. and i just knew from that point i didn't know how didn't matter but i knew from that point i was going to be in, in broadcasting at some level Sometime in my life And I, I've been fortunate to Pretty much spend practically half of my life Behind a microphone or in front of a camera in, in some capacity
0: Were you were you more of a shy kid
1: when you were young? Yeah, that's that's a good question Probably depend on, on who you would ask mm-hmm. I don't think I was
0: I ask because many times people have this passion for them But of course there's so many attributes in the personality That haven't yet been defined And so I, I often find that there is a There's a difference between what somebody wants Versus obviously where they are in that moment and then sometimes I find people who are more public speakers. Historically, they were often very shy kids, and so it's it's interesting for me to just to see the progression and how people change over time. And so I was just curious if that was kind of the same type of behavioral pattern or personality that you were as a little boy.
1: You know what? It's interesting because I've met so many people on radio, television, and actors, and movies, and athletes, and all that. And gosh, for the most part, those those people that kind of are at the top of their game, you know, those industries that I've mentioned, generally they're they're pretty shy. Uh, type mm-hmm. folks that just kind of keep to themselves and all that, but when the spotlight hits them, yeah, they shine. Yeah, so totally different. That wasn't the case for for me. So even though I was on the inside, I kind of had a personality that was different than than a lot of folks. But I'll tell you what it was, James. Now that you've kind of got me thinking about it, I th- I think because when I was a little kid and I had that near death accident that caused me to have three skull fractures and massive blood loss, according to the physicians, I was supposed to not make it. During that recovery, which lasted, gosh, through my childhood, wow. and even early teenage years, I think because that event left such a significant mark on, on me obviously uh, physically and emotionally it was all i could do to share my voice because you know i had a lot of things that that i had to overcome uh, physically and just just in the way i acted
0: if i'm stop you for one second yeah, yeah. What, what was the actual accident because i don't think my listeners know what happened
1: Oh, sure. Okay. So sorry about that. I'm back up a little bit. Sure. When I was three, my uh, parents divorced, and I was living with my mom. Spent a lot of time living with my mom and my dad kind of back and forth. And on a weekend when I was five, I was with my dad kind of off in the middle of the Texas Hill Country on a nature hike. And us kids, there was three of us, I was the youngest, ventured away from the group, and, and we ended up scaling up a, a small hill. And running parallel to that hill was a bridge. And that bridge remember I was five, uh-huh. probably looks more like a jungle gym to me than something to be avoided. So I did what any kid would do of course, yeah. in a playground. I fearlessly jumped on it. I ran to the middle of that bridge, leaned down on my stomach, and then called out to the adults who were down below. Oh my gosh. 30 feet below.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And over my right shoulder, there was a rumble that happened about a quarter to a half a mile away. And that rumble, uh, James, uh, actually turned into a train. Oh, my gosh. And that train is what caused me to fall or be pushed off of that bridge. By the time my dad got to the top of the bridge and the train had come to a complete stop, I was at the bottom of that gorge.
0: Oh, my goodness, Joel.
1: And that is kind of where the very first relaunch started for me.
0: Yes. Wow. I mean, thats I I can't even imagine how terrifying that must have been.
1: Pretty much for everyone. But uh, you know what? God was with us. Um, The emergency rescue team was able to find us. This is 42 years ago. No GPS, no cell phone, middle of the Texas Hill Country. They were able to find us. And imagine this. Talk about your divine and uh, heroic medical uh, intervention. I was able to make that 45-minute drive to downtown San Antonio where I would be admitted into Santa Rosa Children's Hospital where I would spend the next three weeks of my life, fighting for it in a coma.
0: Wow. Were there any long-lasting struggles you had from that fall?
1: Oh my gosh, I'm 47. I've, I still struggle with stuff. Uh, just you know, many of the things that happened during the recovery, the uh, the breakup of my parents. But it doesn't keep me from you know moving forward. You know, trying to incorporate spirit, mind, body, the things that you talk about here here on on this show, and the damage. Was extensive, but let me just kind of nutshell it uh, to you uh, this way. I, I lost hearing in one of my ears, it's still gone. Uh, when I woke up, half of my body was paralyzed. Oh, gosh. So as I, as I walked down the hall, you can kind of think of a, of a person where, you know, their leg is asleep, maybe. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to coordinate their movements, but it's just not cooperating. Yeah. It's c- kind of like that. Thank God, no longer the case. But that's just one, well, I guess I mentioned two, of uh, the the things that I had to just kind of work through. Yeah. I think, uh, back to where we originally started talking, which was about, you know, media and all that kind of stuff. I, I think one of the reasons that I really wanted to to, to get behind the microphone is because i have like a lot of people that listen to this show, I wanted to be heard. Uh-huh. I wanted to be known. I wanted to be understood. And I was in the back of the class. I mean, I was that kid that was picked the last for teams and, you know, for, at recess and all that stuff. So I was, I was ignored a lot. Not because people were trying to be ugly to me, but at that time, I, I, I wasn't the uh, the first choice.
0: It makes sense that you would find something where you stood out, you were something different, where you weren't like the norm, like your peers at school. And so it would make, makes perfect sense on this side. Hearing your story of how you've taken that and you've become something that's been incredibly wonderful.
1: You know, it's it's amazing that you mentioned that you know, outside the norm or not not the norm because on one of my doctor's reports, my parents saved all of my doctor's reports. And as I was writing the book, Finding Your Voice, which kind of documents the event that I just described, plus a little bit of the recovery and then also some of the rock solid solutions that I've kind of learned and developed since then and what I help other people with as well. One of the doctor's reports said that, quote, don't expect Joel to live a normal life. And, and my wife and I kind of look at each other and we chuckle. When we think about that, because there is nothing, James, <laughs> normal uh, uh, about this guy that you're talking to. Yeah,
0: but you know, I, I love how everyone has a different connotation of what a word means. The world may say normal is means something as far as what the dictionary would say. But just as you said, God had a final say in this. And so, yes, you're not living a normal life from what the world would see, but it has a positive connotation. It has a miraculous connotation. It has a, a wonderful connotation more than what people would ever have originally thought.
1: One of these days, I need to look up the, the doctors who saw those reports uh-huh. and, and the medical team that was in attendance because, I mean, those are the heroes that, that saved me. And even if it was a saving from their own skepticism.
0: I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think as a, as a provider myself, when I get a random message from a previous client or a patient and, and just hear how the odds are so against them and this is who they are now, I, I, as a provider, I love to hear those things. And so I think even if you were able to find who those people were, I think that would be a, a wonderful testimony for them as well as they were part of that miraculous uh, journey that you had.
1: I really need to do that. You know, there's no way that they could have, have forgotten.
0: So, you know, going back to the whole thing, if you found your voice, you didn't become the normal child, I suppose, that, that your peers were and you went in a different direction. As you became the expert in that, how do you use your own experience of finding your voice, finding your passion? How do you really instill that in the students that you may have or the clients that you teach or when you speak? How do you really have that be a part of the foundation of who you are?
1: I think it's easy for me to create a safe space with with people just like it is uh, for you, because you've you've been you know doing psychotherapy for for a long time, so you, uh-huh. that is an acquired skill, and I, I think it was innate to a degree, but has also been acquired to me just because I am an open book and I share a lot of things that have happened with my growth and 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 the things that were going on as my parents were trying to rebuild their stuff. Because mm-hmm. not only did they almost lose their only child, but they were trying to heal from a broken relationship at the time. Yeah. And so I, I have no problem uh, sharing that because I, I know that it can be a bridge.
0: No pun and, intended, of course, which is interesting because that's how I everything, that's how that's how everything started for you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Encouraging folks. I mean, we're, we're all in a fight mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And if, if we just encourage folks and, and think the best, it kind of sounds like I'm wrapping up the show already, but I'm, I'm not. But if we just do those little simple things, my, my gosh, it could you know, edify everyone. And that is a win win that I want to be a part of.
0: Yeah. You know, I've heard you talk a little bit about God. Is that something that you incorporate? It doesn't mean it's obviously have it put in people's face, but is that something for you that you continually use and continually try and instill hope in people is through faith?
1: It really is it 's a big part of my life and it has been for for a long long time i don 't remember, but I mean people were keeping they were keeping vigil uh, over me as I would lay in my coma bed uh-huh. and, and there were people there twenty four seven I mean my mom was there, obviously, my dad was there when she wasn 't there I mean back and forth there were two single people uh-huh. my mom was trying to get through her school a- at the time Wow, uh-huh. there were people there there were you know people coming out of the out of the Woodwork—that's uh, a bad analogy—but there were people showing up to do- donate blood because I had none. Oh, wow! And uh, people were keeping uh, a prayerful watch over me, and so that has kind of always been just a part of me. And then it became a, a deeper part of me uh, later in life, kind of halfway through life. And then I don't push my 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 uh, beliefs and uh, my relationship with with God and Christ on on anyone, however. In, in that safe space that I create, what, what I found, and I'm sure you have found this in your office as well, is that people realize that it's okay to share their beliefs. huh Certainly or, is. or what, what they don 't believe, and it's also okay to confront past assumptions uh-huh. and that 's just something I do and one of the pieces of advice that I, that I give all the clients uh, that, that I work with, uh, li- life coaching clients or, or podcast clients or you know author clients, I, I always say at the very first session or in the very first session, the first thing I say is don't believe a word I say. Judge it for yourself. You know, take what the advice that I may give you and weigh it against your own values, against your own perspective, against the way you see the world. And if it's something that you can entertain for our time together, then. That's great. But you know what? If it's something that just doesn't line up with who you are as a, as a human, then throw it out the window. Yeah. Well, we don't, but we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let, let's figure out something that's going to work for us to help you launch that number one bestseller or to help you take your business to the, to the next level or to, to get that podcast finally out of the gate.
0: And I think that's wonderful. You know, as we have clients in different ways, I kind of like to look at it as a consultant. Here I am in helping that person kind of identify what works for them and what doesn't. Because the more something makes sense to them, the bigger their dream becomes. And so my version of that may be slightly different, but through conversation, through dialogue, through any type of challenges, a person is able to really say, well, you know what, I thought this before, but maybe this is what really makes sense for me. And that healthy dialogue helps people really kind of tweak and hone their own philosophy, their own paradigms and it helps them just become a much more well-balanced, much more grounded person in the next steps of, of their life.
1: I think it's also challenging for people because most folks are used to seeing people either nod their head in excited agreement or shake their head in a disapproval or, or disgust or uh, maybe even anger, hatred. Mm-hmm. But as a coach, and I know you do a fantastic job of this. You don't give them that, that feedback that they've been used to receiving <laughs> yeah. for, for, for all their life. And, you know, they say something and they may be expecting you to smile and nod or shake your head or, or, or whatever. And if you don't, which uh, that's what you do in your office, that's also what I do in mine, then that forces a, pe- a person to go, wait a minute, I've, I've got to figure this out for myself. Yeah. And that's when the real breakthrough comes through. That's when their truth starts to come out, which, you know, when, when you're working with someone and really trying to help them develop clarity, confidence and direction, their truth is what matters. And they, people care more about their truth than they care about your truth.
0: Exactly. Well, at the end of the day, they go home and they live their life and we live our life. And so our truth is our truth and their truth is their truth based on their own worldview, based on just their world in itself. What would be two key advice statements, I suppose, that you would give someone who's coming to you and they're wanting to make a change or they're wanting to maybe take that next step?
1: If someone someone were coming to me and and they wanted to launch a podcast, and that happens Mm -hmm. uh, a a lot. I'm I'm a speaker at pretty much all the podcasting events at this point. Not quite all, but quite a few. And one of the first questions that I want to ask, I I would challenge them with is, you know, why do you want to start a podcast you know is it because you, you heard from a webinar about someone that's that's making five figures six figures seven figures uh, a year or a month in, in their podcasting is that why you want to do podcasting or do you or is there a deeper reason for that so we, we, I really want to understand that and the same thing goes for if, if a person wants to launch a book uh-huh. you know, do, you, do you want to launch a book because you know you just need to cross that off your bucket list or do you actually want to share something that happened to you maybe' uh, it's a part of your journey Journey, something that you learned, or maybe you want to set the record straight, you know, something.